0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six
1: on 630 Chad. The oil Kings are home tomorrow night to Lethbridge. We're going to have new oil Kings defenseman, Luke Prokop on the show uh, a little bit later on as uh, he was traded from the Calgary hitman yesterday. And the oil Kings also home on uh, Sunday. Oilers will be home on Saturday. And the Edmonton Elks are home tomorrow. Five thirty countdown to kickoff. Seven o'clock for the actual kickoff. The Elks against the league-leading Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And to discuss that, and who knows what else, we welcome Blake Dermott back to Inside Sports. Blake, how are you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing good, Reed. I'm doing uh, doing just fine. <laughs> how is
1: uh you're you're still on the uh, on the Wildcats coaching staff, are you not?
0: No, no, I'm not. I uh, I had to step away because of uh, other commitments, but uh, yeah, no, I I I haven't been uh, uh, since training camp. So uh, okay, so So you started the the year, the the whole season, yeah.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, Anyway, good stuff. Thanks for hopping on the show tonight. So uh, let's dive right in here because a major story. Whenever a team makes a quarterback change, that's pretty much the the biggest headline you can have when it comes to a personnel decision, and the Elks aren't just taking the starter out of the starter's position. They are taking him right out of the lineup. Uh, you know, Cornelius is going to start, but Harris isn't even expected to dress tomorrow. What do you make of this Blake?
0: Well, did, did, has anybody seen uh, Trevor Harris play the last couple of games? Um, well, sure. We have, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, um, uh, he, he just hasn't played very well. And, uh, and I guess you know he he has been um, a nursing a neck injury, and so I mean they don't even have him on the IR or anything like that. But uh, but maybe they uh, that's that's been a contributing factor to the way he's played. But the reality is is that he has not played anywhere close enough to being a uh, a starting quarterback in a professional league. And uh, in the in the last game alone, I, I think he only threw for 80 yards passing after three quarters. So so uh, just uh, you know and and. and and was very vocal before the game about, you know, practice week and how good they're going to play and how good he's going to play. And, and he th- just didn't perform. And, uh, you know, when you're sitting at, staring at a, a two win season, um, sometimes, uh, as a coach in a, in, a, in a, organization, you have to do what, what some would consider to be very, very radical. Um, but you know, you, you also have to look at Trevor Harris's age and look at the, the age of the young guys and, uh, if this is in fact uh, a trend with his his play, then you have got to start thinking about the future. And uh, because at a at a, a two and six record right now, the uh, um, there is virtually no chance of them being able to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm just again, Blake. I'm not trying to
1: belabor this point or or hammer on on Trevor Harris. I I just think it's like like he's not even going to be the backup i i mean is that and and i know and like you were referencing and i've referenced it the elks are kind of almost in let's see who we have next year territory but man oh man like that is that is a severe demotion i mean that's like you're not even going to dress as the backup in case we need you like we don't even want to have to consider putting you in the lineup
0: well, and, and that's why I mentioned that there, there there could be some underlying conditions with respect to injuries, uh, you know, with his, uh, with his uh, uh, injury uh, that he suffered three games ago. Um, you know, uh, uh, something wrong with his neck, and that could be something that has flared up. Um, I mean, he may be good enough to be a backup, but, but but the reality is, why would you put him in if he's not going to play? You might as well have a young guy that, that uh, has been there, all season should understand the playbook and uh, and have him be the go-to guy if uh, Cornelius can't can't go forward. Then and, and then you're giving you know, Trevor Harris a rest. Uh, but the other the other thing too is is that and and, and I've talked about this over the last uh, couple of weeks. I'm not sure that this is a team that uh, right now that is playing for each other. And um, and sometimes you when, when you're seeing that you have to look at the leadership within the team. And uh, and and maybe one of the reasons why uh, the players aren't uh, obviously playing for each other is uh, is because of that. And so maybe it's it's time to 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 uh, take a look at the the leadership roles that some of these guys have and maybe see how the team performs without them on the roster.
1: Blake Dermott joining us tonight on Inside Sports. All right, Blake. You know, you know the vast amount of respect I have for you as a human being and your football knowledge.
0: But I, and, and I right followed one you. One of your biggest shortcomings.
1: <laughs> That's a good point. You, you've duped me. Uh, but, okay, and I, I, like here over the years, and I'm, I, I'm not sucking up to you because then I'm going to kind of disagree with you at the end of this. Like, like over the years. I think like I've learned so much about football from you and, and I still don't know a tenth of what you know, but, or, or at least you've shown me different ways to look at a play or, or look at a situation and be less emotional about looking at things. Um, but having said that, I, I don't understand how you appear to have some sort of doubt about the strength of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, <laughs> and I, I followed your your segment on the points after show last weekend, <laughs> and I said like I don't get it, how Blake thinks he's. Uh, no, I don't want to put words in your but it sounds to me like you see significant cracks in the armor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And
0: I see a eight and one
1: team that hardly ever gets scored. on.
0: <laughs> well, uh, okay. Okay. So there is there right there is, is what uh, it's the obvious. Now I'm looking at the details. Okay. So, so you, they have a, um, they, they have an incredible record in, in the fourth quarter. What is it? They've given up six points all season. I yeah. think in that, in the fourth quarter, they just, um, but somebody's going to figure that out. Okay. And when they played against the Oaks last uh, last game, I mean, let's, what was the score at the end of the first half? Like 11 to three, 11, 11 to four? 11 three. 11 to three. And the Ox had what? 30 yards of total offense? And they only, the, they, the Bombers only had 11 points. If they were playing against a team that was of any caliber, of, uh, that was any good, Winnipeg would have been in significant hole. And it wasn't until later on when they kind of pulled away. And, and Zach Kolaris, like he, he, what did he throw for, 220 yards of offense? Um, you know, like you you get against a hot um, uh, Mike Riley. Um, you get against a Saskatchewan team that has a, an elevated defense and an offense that can be very emotional. And uh, you get against Calgary, which, which has had a, a penchant for winning games for a long time when their quarterback hasn't played very well if those teams start to get hot over the next 6 games and somebody will or you go into the other side of the you go to the other side of the, and this is what i've been saying is that winnipeg hasn't played any differently over the course of the season winnipeg started this way a little rough and rocky at the beginning of the season continued but, but one continued on a little rough and rocky they haven't changed they they still are winning games the same way and eventually there is going to be a team i believe that will start to play a 60-minute game, and play really, really well. And keep in mind that football is only a one-game kind of a playoff series and a one-game championship and a one-game, you know, all of those things. One team, I think, is going to get hot, and Winnipeg is going to get in trouble. And they've already, you know, going to this game, they've already lost Hardwick. They're, you know, the big offensive tackle, and one of the things they've said is their offensive line has been, and I've said this, their offensive line has been so huge, the running game and, and their passing game, and they're very, very well balanced. But somewhere along the line... I think some team is going to make them one dimensional and then they're going to say, okay, Clarence, win us a game. Okay. Harris, win us a game. Um, you know, uh, Andrew Harris, they're, they're, running game. Something, something is, some team is going to play well. If, if they were getting better and proving, um, then I would say, yeah, I would agree with everybody that this is a team that, that, uh, that somebody's going to beat. They remind me of, and I can't remember what year it was, but I think it was at least four years ago, uh, Calgary was going and everybody said Calgary was going to be that they were 15 and three or something. And I said, they're not going to win. There's something about this team and the way they're playing and the way they're winning. And I feel the same way about Winnipeg. And that's why I feel this way. Now, I mean, this, I I remember the one time in my life I was wrong. um, And, and it was, it was an awful feeling. So, so if I'm wrong, this won't be the first time, but, uh, but I just, this is, this is, you know, I've seen this, I've seen this kind of thing a number of times before, and Winnipeg looks like the the poster child for this kind of a season.
1: Okay. Well, no, that's I, I understand your expl- explanation. I I I'll actually go on the record as having a dissenting opinion. So okay. at least somebody out of this segment will be right by the end of the year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and somebody will be buying a coffee.
1: <laughs> so so yeah, we'll 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 keep it to a coffee. That's uh that's all, that's all we could afford for sure. I I just find the league is. Um, I mean, there was a lot of discussion. And, and, you know, obviously hearing from fans the first month of the season uh, about the the scores being low. I mean, the scoring has picked up, unfortunately not for the Elks. But, I mean, last week you had uh, 35-16. Winnipeg got 30. Calgary and Saskatchewan was decided on the last play. Montreal was... 2016 over Ottawa. I guess not a hugely high-scoring game, but Toronto Hamilton was decided on on the last play. I do think the quality of the game and the the offense uh, the offensive production has increased though as the season has worn on.
0: Well, it, it has because, and that's that's just a natural progression. Offenses figure out defenses. Uh, remember, at the beginning of the season, there was games played without even film. So, right. so you would you would expect that that is going to offenses are going to get better. But the other the other point that I didn't bring up about Winnipeg, have you seen how bad their 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 special teams are with respect to their field goal game? I mean, they're like that is a team that if if you think you're going to go in and win a Grey Cup with a field goal team that's operating at somewhere around 50 to 60 percent. Like that's they've got a, they've got issues on that team. But it's, I feel uh, like you're you're nitpicking one guy.
1: Like it, they're ahead by enough that they don't need three points at the end to win.
0: You know what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, every guy kicking a ball needs his job, and they're they've they've gone through a couple of those guys. So so guys are not going out there just because eh we're up by a bunch. They're going out there to try to keep the job and to win, right? So so. <laughs> and I, I i i don't know like i'm 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 i may be wrong on this thing but but going forward and and the other thing with respect to uh, uh the scores and and you're right they have gone up but i think i think too that uh, um you know what what's happened along the way is that you're starting to see injuries uh, come into the season when you reach the halfway point of the season and you start to see teams with injuries and and that means you know the key defensive players are out, or uh, you, know, uh, 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 the, you know you know because of injuries, you'll find a good uh, a player that's on the roster that just has an outstanding game. I think that always plays uh, has an impact in the second half of the season with respect to scoring as well.
1: Yeah, fair enough. All right, Blake, this was great as always. Uh, are you are you sidelines tomorrow?
0: I'm on the sidelines tomorrow.
1: Okay. Well, have fun. I, be, you know, be nimble when those guys are coming at you. They're pretty big, you know.
0: Well, I'm, I'm afraid by about the third quarter, it's gonna. I'll be. Uh, I'll be seized up because it'll start to get a little chilly. So, I'm gonna be. Uh, I'll be. I'll have a like as Henry Gizmo Williams used to say. I'll have so many clothes on. I'll look like the Michigan man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. Let's see you there, Blake. Take care, man. Okay. Thanks a lot. That is Blake Dermott, uh, former member of the Double E football team, our in-game analyst for Edmonton Elks football here at six thirty, Chad. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> got a uh, text here. Uh, this uh, esteemed individual says the Bombers are winning it. I love Blake Dermott, but he's wrong. Ha huh, ha. Huh. I, I think. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee the uh, the Bombers are going to win the Great Cup, but to me, they're a clear favorite, and I, and I don't see. Yes, the, the place kicking has been a massive weakness for the Bombers, like a shocking weakness. Um, but having said that, they're they're usually up by so – I mean, and again, yeah, sure, the score against the Elks at halftime was 11-3, but it's not like the Elks were right there and were – on the scoreboard, yes, they were a touchdown behind – in the reality of the flow of the game and the field position, it, it was a much larger gap than that. So I, I, I've just, you know, Winnipeg beat Saskatchewan twice. They beat BC. Now they maybe got a little fortunate against Calgary. Calgary missed a kick on the last play, but still, uh, I mean, they've only allowed 110 points in nine games. Anyway, always great to have Blake Dermott on the show. We're going to have Bob leonard and Luke Prokop from the Oil Kings as well as we move along inside sports on Chet. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Football tomorrow on 630 Chet Hockey on Saturday. We got the Elks and the Oilers. Speaking of the Oilers, uh, we had a lot of chat in the first hour of the show. They survived the shootout yesterday to win their season opener against the Canucks. Their power play went one for two. The PK went four for five and gave uh, the Canucks chances to tie it in the third period or to get back into the third period, which they did. Dave Tibbet commented on those penalties last night.
2: There's a sequence of events that sometimes happens before a penalty, That that's what I'm more concerned about than the actual penalty. There's a couple of turnovers that lead to playing in your own end, put yourself in bad positions, things like that, that, uh, you know, you don't like the penalty itself, but there's things that happen before the penalty that that you would never be back in that position having to defend or in your own end if, uh, if we would done a few things right in front of it. So... There's some of that stuff that we'll talk about, but for the most part, it's early in the preseason. I was hoping for some more penalties. That's what I told him after the game. I said, that's all off now. We, we, we're good now. We, we've figured some things out.
1: All right. Yeah, I mean, they took, uh, what was it, three penalties in the last 21 minutes of the game when they were up 2 nothing, and eventually the Canucks got one in, and then the even the, the tying goal came at even strength. Flames come to town on Saturday. Be a good one. Battle of Alberta. It's it's funny, uh, back to normal with a normal 82-game schedule playing everybody, and the Oilers are uh, playing their first two games against the teams they saw 10 times last year. (laughs) But that'll end on Tuesday when Anaheim is here. Okay, an epic goal by Edmonton's Alfonso Davies last night. Bob leonard Doozy will break it down for you when we get back. And new Oil Kings defenseman Luke Prokop coming up. Let's take a look at the NHL scoreboard late in the third period. Sabres lead the Canadians 5-1. The Leafs trying to rally. It's now 3-2 for the Senators with three and a half to go. The Penguins have jumped ahead of the Panthers 4-3. Nine minutes left between the Stars and the Rangers. It's 2-2 early in the third period. Carolina up 4-3 on the Islanders. The Blue Jackets taking it to the Coyotes. It's 7-1 with seven minutes left. After two periods, Detroit leading Tampa Bay 4-3. Midway through the second period, Seattle up 3-2 on Nashville. And still to come tonight, the Golden Knights and the Kings. Baseball, bottom of the second, no score. Dodgers and Giants and two-minute warning in Philadelphia. Eagles trail the Buccaneers 14-7. Davies
3: is on it. Davies takes it
1: Absolutely epic from the kid who spent the early stages of his soccer career right here in Edmonton, Alfonso Davies, helping Canada beat Panama 4-1 last night. And to discuss that goal and the Canadian men's team, which is certainly on the upswing, I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, one of the all-time greats in Canadian men's soccer. He's now a club liaison with the Vancouver Whitecaps. Bob leonard Doozy checks in. Bob, you're on with Reed. How are you doing?
3: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
1: I'm doing awesome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Bob, I'm going to start with that goal, and I've watched mm-hmm. it, uh, it. It happened last night while I was hosting the Oilers broadcast. Saw it several times. It was popping up mm-hmm. on social media over and over again. I mean, I sh- was showing it to my mom and dad today, uh, and, and I watched that, and I want to get your reaction. Like, I'm, I'm 47 years of age. Like, 1986, I remember, but it was a long time ago. Like, I'm uh, watching that goal. And I'm thinking, like I, I'm almost in disbelief that a Canadian scored a goal of that caliber.
3: Yes, and uh, as was I. By the way, are your are your parents soccer fans?
1: No, they aren't. They are not. I should say that. interested in that the goal.
3: Go, there you go. That's that's you've just. Uh, and I'm, I was happy to hear you say that because they're watching the goal. They're not soccer fans, but that's what's happening now: is people that aren't necessarily soccer fans are all of a sudden realizing that he's a special player and this group of players are a very special team, but as it relates to that goal, that, that it was a pivotal goal for Canada and we may look back on, on the goal uh, once we've qualified as the moment where we pushed ourselves over the top because at that point in the game it, it looked like just before the half finished and, and, and into the second half panama started to actually get some possession and and had us running around which was not like uh what was occurring in the first half of the game where we should have actually scored more than what we had scored and had the game you know dead and buried by then so it looked like we were starting to, to to flag a little bit and it needed something special and so If I'm the Panamanian defender and I see this guy running from about 30, maybe 35 yards away, and it was a it was a a a lost ball, but I think the Canadian, I can't remember who it was, but just simply trying to clear it, and it was going over the sidelines. Looked like it was going out of play, but Alfonso um, didn't give up on it and chased it down, and just he was dealing with inches because if he had touched it and it had gone a little bit to the right, it would have been out of play. But he actually dragged it with his right foot in behind his left leg, and then he was gone. And so at that stage, he's got a two-on-one, and really he used Buchanan as as a decoy, and, you know, drop of his shoulder and got the Panamanian defender going the wrong way cuts inside, and he hit it in the, the best possible spot. The keeper never moved because he handcuffed him. And it was a, a spectacular goal for a, a very grand occasion. And then after that, it, uh, it, was, it was just a matter of how many more the Canadians were going to get. But I almost felt like at that particular moment in the game, Alfonso put the team on his shoulders. And that's not with any disrespect to any of the, the players because they've got a great group of players, but he did something that uh, was required at that time and he and he pulled a rabbit out of a hat and they went on to win quite comfortably
1: yeah i love how you break that down and i should i i I probably should be uh thorough here to outline what's happening because as you as you said you know seeing that goal and canada winning is going to get more people interested in soccer they're in a group of eight teams they play everybody twice, so home and away in, in the months and weeks to come. And if you finish in the top three, you make the World Cup. So right now, after six of their 14 games, Canada is third with 10 points. They have not lost. They have two wins and, and, and four draws. What? And you, I know you sounded pretty confident there at the start of the interview. What do you see as the biggest obstacle, though, uh, a key game or two along the way that's really going to be big for Canada to qualify?
3: I'm not sure if there if i could if I could point to a game that uh that is an obstacle if if John herdman continues to do what he has done very well uh with and that's the road, squad rotation because if if you if you break it down you're playing three games in a week you're traveling uh and in some cases you know a, a good distance there's no way that uh when you play the first of of those three games as they have done uh over the last two sets of three there's no way that the 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 players can play the whole of the 90 minutes uh, for each of the three matches and what he's done and it really does highlight the depth that we have as a canadian team right now is he's rotated the 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 squad and and each and every game that he does that, there's no real drop in the, the standard of play. So that will need to to continue. And, um, you know, there's a couple of players missing. Kyle Lahren, who was scoring goals for fun previous to not being available, and Nativa Hutchinson, who's probably one of the best midfielders Canada's ever produced. So they're due to come back. I, I just think that they just need to stick with the same mentality and... Grind out points on the road. It doesn't need to be pretty, as it was in Jamaica. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a spectacle by any means, but you got a point, and more importantly, you you stopped Jamaica from getting three points. And you can see there's a separation starting there with Mexico with 14 points, United States with 11, us with 10, and then the next one is Panama with eight. So if you get another win or two, uh, you're gonna you're gonna create an, even more of a separation and just allow for a stumble along the way if, in fact, that happens in the latter games.
1: Bob Leonarduzzi joining us tonight on Inside Sports, breaking down Alfonso Davies' amazing goal and talking about Canada's run here to qualify for the World Cup. I should promo, the next two games for Canada are in Edmonton, just a few blocks away from where I live uh, at Commonwealth <laughs> Stadium, November 12th against Costa Rica and November 16th against... Mexico, You know, look, a lot is made uh, in in the media discussion with fans like, oh, they got to come here in Edmonton. It's probably going to be below zero. There might even be snow. I mean, you played. You played against some of these countries home and away. Is it that significant to bring them here to the potential climate conditions in in mid-November? Or are they pro athletes and they're just going to suck it up and play? I really want to get your perspective
0: here
3: yeah I think uh, well, if there's a lot at stake for us, there's certainly a lot at stake for countries like Costa Rica and in particular Mexico, who who, in their own country, the expectation is they'll stroll through qualifying and, and although they've got 14 points, it hasn't been easy for them. So Mexico used to be considered very much homers, and once you've got them outside of Mexico, and especially if you've got them in, in the kind of climate that they're going to face. On, uh, on November 16th, the, the expectation was yeah, it would be a, uh, a much easier game than, than playing against them in Mexico. But th- a lot of their players now play abroad. So I think that they, they've toughen- toughened up in that regard. And I do believe that when we went into Mexico, it's, 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 a, it's a reversal of what they're going to face. We're going into altitude, heat. Uh, um, a, a, a stadium that holds 120,000 people. There weren't that many there, but still a, a hostile atmosphere. And we were the better team in Mexico. So, if we're at home and they're suffering the, from the, the consequences of coming to, to Edmonton at that time of the year, then you know it, 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 there's really no reason why you know we shouldn't be going into that game thinking that we can get three points out of it and I I'm assuming you'll need to tell me this but after what has gone on in the the first six games of qualifying and what went on last night with you know a lot of a lot of the country watching I would think that even at that time of the year there's going to be a very good crowd at commonwealth yeah. stadium oh, there will am i be. wrong yeah
1: there, there yeah. will no they they will be yeah. i think edmontonians will and i think people will will travel i know there are some you know you got to be you follow the rules traveling with everything going on but yeah i, I think that's going to be a, a packed stadium mm-hmm. but bob we'll have to have you on again i want to ask you one more though before you go speaking of the the conditions um from your era as a player like, like, where were the nastiest fans? Or, or, like, are these stories true of, like, you know, there'd be parties on the street outside your hotel the night before a game so you guys couldn't sleep? Like, what's what's the truth here?
3: It's the truth. That is the truth. Those stories are not fabricated. And and the worst one for, for us, when I was coaching the national team in uh, the build-up to the 94 World Cup, we were in Honduras, and we were given very little chance of, of getting a result there. And we went in and we actually drew the first game 2-2. The bus was parked under underneath inside the stadium, and so we we didn 't shower at the um, at the stadium. we were going to shower back at the hotel. Well, the crowd of forty five plus thousand are emptying the stadium at the same time, and they weren 't happy with the result. We got out and they started shaking the bus and at first, it was I, you know, looked around and people were, were thinking, oh this is, this is, you know it's, this is interesting." And but as the bus started to sway further and further, it was like, wow, are we in trouble here? It's going to tip over. And thankfully, we got out of there without that happening. But it was it was scary. And, you know, that doesn't happen in, in North America, uh, but it does in those places. So you're, you're facing totally different um, circumstances and hostile fans that will do whatever they, they need to do there to give their team the uh, the edge.
1: All right. Yeah. Wow. that's quite a memory, Bob. Thanks for hopping on. I I definitely, maybe we can talk again as as a lead up to the games or get you on in between the two games for some reaction. I really enjoyed speaking with you.
3: Yeah, no, give me a call. And by the way, I'm coming to the game on on, uh, November the 16th as well. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, good. We'll definitely talk to you when you're
1: in town. That's awesome, Bob. Thank you so much. All
3: right. Thank you. Bye-bye then.
1: That is Bob Doozy like he was telling you, a former uh, Canadian men's national team player and coach, now a club liaison with the Vancouver Whitecaps, and uh, he can break it all down for you. And uh, He's, as you can tell, very optimistic about the Canadian men's soccer team. We're going to bring you Luke Prokop from the Oil Kings when we get back. Is coming home. He's from Edmonton. Yesterday traded from the Calgary Hitman to the Edmonton Oil Kings. Six foot four defenseman Luke Prokop is on the line. Luke, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Thank you. How are you, Reed? I'm doing very well. Thanks for making time for me tonight. Man, oh man, uh, how are you feeling about coming to the Oil Kings? I don't know if a move was something you expected this early in the season, but uh, tell me how it broke down for you.
2: Yeah, I was just practicing with my team in Calgary and Yesterday, and I got pulled off the ice by uh, by my coach and general manager, and they told me I'd been traded to Edmonton. And uh, I was lucky enough to, to get to say goodbye to my teammates, and you know, wish them the best of luck. And then I started thinking about you know coming back home and coming to play for the All Kings, and uh, I, I was I was really ecstatic and really pumped, and uh, just really looking forward to getting on the ice tomorrow and playing in the first game.
1: Well, for sure, you're diving right into uh, with with a club that's obviously dealing with some pretty high expectations. They're only ranked number one in the CHL. Tell <laughs> me a little bit of the opportunity you see for the Oil Kings this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we have the opportunity to do something really special. Uh, you look at up front and how much depth we have. You know, uh, you know, Gunner's up there. He can he can score quite a bit of goals, and you know, we're also pretty good uh, pretty good in net with COSA So. Uh, we can do a lot of damage, and, you know, hopefully I'm a big part of that.
1: You're a draft pick of the Nashville Predators. Uh, you spent some time in their camp, uh, I guess, uh, I'm not sure the exact date you came back, but certainly in September. How was that experience? What are some of the things you, you learned and you take away from being with the Preds for a while?
2: It was a really cool experience, and, you know, for my first camp, I thought I, t- I thought I played really well down there. And, uh, I tried to take them away my, as much as I could and, you know, just, just watching the, the the pros there, like Yossi and Ekholm on the back end, and just seeing how they they go into their day-to-day um, lifestyle in the rink and uh, how they prepare for a game, how they prepare, prepare for practice, uh, isn't a whole lot different. So uh, just that professional mentality is uh, something that I'm going to try and bring to the to the Oil Kings this year
1: for fans who haven't seen you but are going to maybe one of the two oil kings games this weekend seven o'clock tomorrow against lethbridge four o'clock on sunday against red deer what will uh what will they see from luke brokop
2: uh they'll see they'll see a big right-handed shot defenseman uh i can transport the puck extremely well i can skate extremely well uh i can chip in offensively here and there as well when needed so um, you'll you'll see me passing the puck to the forwards and kind of letting them do the dirty work down low uh, in the corners in the offensive zone.
1: Okay. Luke, you made headlines in the summer. You became the first player under contract with an NHL team to come out as gay. Obviously, you got a lot of headlines uh, at that time. Since the decision, can you just maybe tell us a little bit about... Uh about the reaction you know have 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 people contacted you and 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 thanked you or 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 praised you just tell me a little bit about uh you know living in that world since since you made the decision to come out
2: yeah it's been uh it's been it was pretty hectic couple weeks right after my announcement came out uh and it it slowed down in the summer which was nice i could kind of get back to sort of being uh Uh, a kid almost in a sense and uh just training in the summers getting ready for the season and then it started to pick back up again when the season started and you know it's been really cool just to talk with you know people from around the world and you know share share our journeys and um give advice when when needed to and uh, i'm very grateful for the support i receive you know from not only the hockey community but the world
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, good for you. I mean, good for you for doing that. And uh, that's obviously a big part of your story and part of your journey, which now continues with the Edmonton Oil Kings. We wish you all the best with that. I'm sure you'll be on uh, a few more times and some of your teammates and coaches as we move along throughout the season. Oil Kings are having a a great year so far. High expectations. You're going to fit right in, Luke. Thanks for stepping in on Inside Sports tonight, man. Really appreciate it.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: There's Luke Prokop, defenseman for your Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, yeah, a <laughs> huge addition to their blue line, outstanding player. Like he said, you know, six foot four, right shot. You can get the puck up to the forwards and uh, that strengthens an already exceptional club. Good to have Luke on the show for sure. He joined us on the hotline presented by CertainTeed professional grade building materials. Okay, let's take a look at the scoreboard here. Before I go home, and by that I mean walk upstairs, I am in my basement. The Sabres take down the Montreal Canadiens 5-1. The Senators do hang on to beat the Maple Leafs 3-2. In overtime, the Panthers get by the Penguins 5-4. Also in overtime, Dallas beats the Rangers 3-2. and gets the winner there. Late in the third period, Carolina up 5-3 on the New York Islanders. The Blue Jackets absolutely steamroll the Coyotes 8-2. 8-2 is the final for the Blue Jackets. The Red Wings are leading the Lightning 4-3 in the first minute of the third period. After two in Nashville, the Kraken with a 3-2 lead on the Predators. And coming up in about 45 minutes, it'll be the Golden Knights visiting the Kings. Baseball, Cam Moons, Los Angeles Dodgers in the middle of the third at San Francisco. Elimination game. Best of five is tied 2 2. The game is scoreless, and it is halftime in uh, Philadelphia with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers leading the Philadelphia Eagles. 21 7 all right so here's the deal we got plenty of live sports coming up for you tomorrow it's the football game elks home to winnipeg countdown to kickoff is at 5 30 the game is at 7 taylor cornelius the starting quarterback for your edmonton elks trevor harris taken right out of the lineup and then saturday 6 30 is the face-off show the game is at 8 at rogers place The Edmonton Oilers home to the Calgary Flames. The Oilers 1-0 for the Flames. That'll be their first game of the season. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. And, of course, thanks to you for tuning in. Hope you have a great night ahead of you. My name's Reed. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.